Welcome to Darker Days Radio, and we have a special episode for you tonight. I am one of your regular hosts, Chris, and as always, I am joined by some wonderful co-hosts and a guest for this episode. So, uh, I am joined by James. Uh, hey, I'm here. I am joined by Crystal. Hello. And we are joined by our guest, Steffi Devan, from, uh, who is a writer for and developer for Onyx Path Publishing. So, hello, Steffi. Hi, hi, thank you for having me. That's cool. Yeah, it's good to have you on here. I think this is the, fir- is this the first time? Maybe. I think it is, actually. Yeah, we've is. done stuff for Virtual HorrorCon. We've never had you on the show when we've done live stuff at UK Games Expo. So, yeah, I think this is the first yeah. time. We, we've been intending to, but we've never gotten around to it. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So, um, yes, so this is a episode which will be looking at something which is... Uh, fantasy based we'll be looking at the upcoming well i say upcoming by the time this episode will go out the kickstarter will be live for the the new rpg for legend lore which is a dnd 5e ogl based game from onyx path publishing which steffi you're the lead developer for is that correct mm-hmm. yes i am good um but before we get straight into that, uh, let's see. Crystal, what have you been doing gaming-wise? Um, so I've still been running my regular weekly D&D session, um, but we moved online. So um, uh, that's been a little bit of a transition, but for the most part, it's been good. Um, otherwise, I've just been doing online gaming with uh, you guys and um, some other friends. I've been um, researching for writing by playing Blackstone Fortress solo player. So that's the that's a 40k dungeon crawling um, miniatures based uh, board game from GW where you like road traders and stuff. So, you know, it's been good fun. Like I say, it counts as research now for me. Um, James, what have you been up to? Um, so I've been playing a, uh, a deck building roguelite game that came out recently called Monster Train, where you uh, you fill your train up with demons and ride it through hell to um, to reignite the extinguished heart of hell. Uh, wow! It, you know, it's pretty it's pretty neat. I like me some card games, um, and it's got a little bit of tactical stuff to it because you're doing the deck building and it's a bit of a roguelite. So there's uh, fun stuff to unlock and different things to see. Um, I've also been still slowly preparing for that alien uh <laughs> alien yeah. um i'm hoping to run it next weekend for a group of friends and then uh i should afterwards be able to rerun it maybe for the podcast Ooh. and steffi i guess you've been doing a lot of gaming obviously testing ideas out and and what what you'll be talking about for legend lore but mm-hmm. um what other type of gaming you've been up to um, I'm, I'm currently in an ongoing Pathfinder campaign with, um, with it used to be my tabletop group, like proper sit-down tabletop, and then everybody moved and had careers, and so now we play online, and it's going, I think we calculated, we're playing a pre, uh, pre-made adventure by, by Paizo, and I think we calculated that at this rate, um, our online game is going to take us five years to finish the campaign, so <laughs> in, it, in it for the long haul. Yeah, wow. Um, and that, I think, is a good place to start for this introduction because uh, since you're, you know, this is the first time you've been on Dark Days Radio, um, tell us a bit about, you know, 
how your your history with gaming like how you got into it and then a little bit about how you got into writing for rpgs so i got into gaming by um it was it was uh, in the early days of the internet not early days i'm not that old but it was um for me the early days of the internet i i'd gone to university and somebody had hooked me up with an email address it was my first foray into the internet and i very foolishly uh, I was playing a, a the X cards uh, the X Files collectible card game at the time, and I was the only person in my in my group of friends who was playing it. So, so I saw somebody online who lived near me who was also playing it, and I was like, "Hello there, stranger on the internet, let's meet." And fortunately, he turned out to be a lovely person and a great friend. And then he introduced me to his role playing game group, and we played Dragonlance back then and Ravenloft. Oh. I think I've got a I've got a a, a magazine. It, it it was a UK RPG gaming magazine called Arcane Magazine, and I think there's an issue that has like the first release. It talks about the X Files card game, so I might go dig out the PDF copy I've got of that and have a read up on on the X Files card game mm-hmm. and what made it um so unique. Cause that must be in the time when like card games were coming out ten a penny. Like you know there'd be like. X-Files and Star Wars and then any other IP anyone could leverage. Yeah, all of them. That was that was when, when Magic had hit it big and everybody was like, well, no, it was several years after Magic hit it big. But yeah, yeah it was uh, there were a lot of them. And uh, Unfortunately, I didn't much like the game because it turned out that um, uh, the then boy, now man, that I, that I met, uh, who turned out to be a great fan, is really, really good at cards. So I didn't do anything except lose the entire time. Um, how so? With how you got into RPG writing, how did that happen? So, yeah. So Onyx Path Publishing had an all call uh, a while back that basically said, um, if you're interested in writing for us, send us a sample. And I did. And then I was contacted by two different developers. uh, One of them being Rose Bailey, uh, who 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 I adore. She's really great at what she does. She hired me for Secrets of the Covenants back then. Um, and, and the good thing is that the RPG industry is fairly small, so once you're in, and if you deliver good work, it's very easy to then approach people and go, um, would you like to hire me for something else? So then it kind of snowballed from there, but it started with Onyx Path, and I'm still with them, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think this is something we'll, we're looking at for um, UK Games Expo as a, as a, um, as a as a topic for a panel is how to get into RPG writing because there's so many different routes now thanks to like Storytellers Vault and DMs Guild that you know James has published things for and then obviously smaller companies larger companies Kickstarters self-publishing all those things so um, yeah it's uh, it's interesting times for that but anyway enough of that I'm really going to hand over now to James and Crystal to run this show because we're going to talk about Legend Law and I have to admit, I know jack about D&D 5e, but fortunately we've got two people, two hosts of the show who know a fair bit. So, James, Crystal, you know, have at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so I will kick things off. And, um, Steffi, can you tell us about um, what is legend lore and um, what... uh, brought you to writing up a, a setting for it in 5th edition. Okay, so uh, Legend Lore is originally a comic book series uh, from the 80s where four, four friends, they go on a, on a vacation together. 
and they find a chest, they open the chest and then boom, they're teleported into, it's called the realm, which is a, a fantasy world full of um, elves and dwarves and creatures. And they go on all sorts of adventures and I'm pretty sure one of them dies and at one point they find a white back. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, you can actually get the comics on drive through comics. They're, they're pretty great. I read them back to back for research purposes and I love them. Um, with the caveat that they were written in the 80s. So keep that in mind. Uh, be kind. Um, <laughs> but I, I did like I did like the gist of them a lot. And uh, fortunately, one of my uh, co-workers from Onyx Path also liked them a lot. So he approached the IP holder, which is Caliber Comics, and persuaded them to let us do a role-playing game based on the comic. And then I was hired, um, I think because I was the one playing D&D and Pathfinder at the time. Obviously, Onyx Path has a lot of people playing Chronicles of Darkness and World of Darkness, but I was at that time already in my eternal Pathfinder campaign and playing 5th edition. So that made a good fit. Legend Law gives, I mean, with that pitch that, you know, it's regular people taking off to a fantasy realm, you know, immediately I get, n n I say nostalgia, but also you're kind of like, damn you, um, Dungeon Master with the D&D &D cartoon series with the, you know, the kids are on the Dungeons and Dragons ride and end up in mm -hmm. some strange world, never finding a way home. So I guess, is is that a good point of comparison as well, initially? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. That's the first thing that I thought of um, when, when, when I read them. It's very much like that, yes. Except that oh. there's no dungeon master in Legend Lore. Well, I mean, there is out of character, but there is no uh, being called the dungeon master. No annoying person telling you this is how you get no. home and then taking away from you at the last exactly. moment. Exactly. No, not that. But the idea of, yes, you'd cross into the realm and then all of a sudden you discover, like, boom, you're a you're an acrobat, you're a thief, you're a fighter, you're a wizard, and, and also you can turn into a different people so you could be an elf or, or an orc or a, or a hair food but yes the idea is that you're still you and you are trying to get home in the end after after the, a couple of adventures nice so um i do have a question um then kind of piggybacking off of that um with the uh extensive history of dungeons and dragons and stuff are there nods to any of the previous editions um actually to to the very very first probably, maybe. So um, uh, we were looking at the art and we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do with uh, specifically orcs, um, but also minotaurs and, and people like that, um, because I think their portrayal in, in role-playing games has been problematic occasionally, and I wanted not to go down that road. So I was looking at the art, um, but they're, in the comics, they are depicted as the very, very old um, uh, pig and bovine people that we got in the very early days. I don't even remember that art, but uh, Rich Thomas of on Onyx Path pointed it out to me. like, oh, they used to do that way, 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 way back. Um, so that was, that was fun, and it worked out well for us. But yeah, I, I looked at them, and they're, they're pink, and they've got hooves and everything. That's that's useful to stand apart because obviously I think um, you know I think with the way orcs in art are depicted um, is very much overshadowed by obviously Games Workshop's green green skinned 
barbarians which are mm-hmm. uh, ubiquitous to their IPs and that seems to follow over into everything else because obviously you see that in Warcraft and if you know the history of Warcraft you understand why their orcs look the way they do so it's nice to have a bit of variation in that kind of representation of what is an orc because um, yeah. it's not just a homogenous look because I don't even know I can't even remember off the top of my head how Tolkien um, would have described an orc like what, yeah. what the closest description is so that's cool yeah. um, James do you want to go for the next pick your next question to follow on um, so yeah uh, well I suppose it's it's maybe not so much a question but the uh, the concept about the the heroes being you as a person mm-hmm. transferred across um, like that's that's like the the big usp for uh for this um uh for legend law uh well it's not the only one there's some there's some other neat stuff as well i've mm-hmm. seen uh have you have you made yourself as a character did you what uh <laughs> what race and class did you uh did you pick if you have uh, i did i uh, i i um, had to think for a long time between bard and sorcerer i finally went with bard for obvious reasons uh and i would be a pixie or a hair food Oh, and good. and yeah. both both of those are based on. I'm very short. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some very interesting classes like uh, Pixie. Pixie was one that when I was looking through like an actual tiny race because you don't often get that opportunity in um yeah in D and that's your yeah the yeah they're very tiny. We actually had to, had had a discussion about carrying capacity, and finally we were just like we're we're gonna base it on strength like you would in D and D. But we are going to assume that maybe you're carrying like a sack or something because you can't fit a backpack onto a pixie. Um, so we'll leave that up to the players. But we had a discussion about carrying capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, I that's, that leads us into a question like with character with with respect to character creation because you're playing your yourself from mm-hmm. our world first and then they are taken to this 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 fantasy realm. Um, how does that influence character creation then are you uh, basically do you create the human the, the the person first and then apply the the template over top which you you know the class and the race template over top of it is that how the character creation works uh no no you just do it like you do it in fifth edition so okay um so it's just you though we we did say that you can choose an alternate version of you if there are reasons why you wouldn't want to play your current self in in the game. I mean, the universes are infinite, so choose any one of them. Uh, any Steffi will do, but the idea is that you do play Steffi and you go straight to character creation as you would do it in any regular uh, D&D 5th edition game. Uh, the game also assumes that you have access to the player handbook. Okay, cool. So so in that respect, it's very close to established D&D. Like, you'll be very familiar to people that have 5th edition. It's It's just got the... As you say, these the unique elements which make it legend lore, uh, as well as being, um, you know, playing a version of yourself or an mm-hmm. ideal version of yourself, I guess, is more more appropriate. Cool. Um, Crystal, do you want to take the next question? Yeah. Um, let's see here. So um, what are some of the new classes and subclasses that we could see? So I'm, I'm going to, my memory is awful, so I'm going to put up a classes document. Uh, one of my favorites actually is what we did is there is some interaction between Earth and the realm. People go back and forth 
the realm itself sits on an unstable nexus of reality, so it connects to many planes, but for our game purposes, it connects to Earth in particular. So there's been a back and forth between the two of them. And uh, during all that, the people of the realm have discovered that they have a sort of science, which isn't quite science, like we know it on Earth, but it's also not straight up magic. Uh, and to delve into that, we've got uh, a full class, which is the alchemist. Uh, we've got a wizard uh, archetype, which is the uh, arcane artificer, and they both type in, tie, uh, tie into this weird magic that they have. So an alchemist would make potions um, and, and other effects that are science-y, science but not quite science. Uh, and the artificer actually is a lot of fun because it creates uh, magical artifacts but it does so in an earth kind of way so um so you would uh you might have your phone on you when you cross into the realm so if you've got your phone uh, but there's no internet and there's no wi-fi and there's also no cell service but if you were an arcane artificer what you could do is you could enchant your phone and then it would be like with crystals and steampunk things and whatever look you want to give it um but you could cast spells through your phone and then um for example have it uh, have your phone have a Google, but then it's uh, mechanically speaking, it would be spells like divination spells and legend law, the spell law, legend law, not the game. Um, and they would work through your phone as if you were using Google. And I think that's a lot of fun. That, that. is that is fantastic. And yeah, yeah. the um, the title is actually based off of a spell from D and D. So yeah. So, but yeah, I wanted to, to before people think that you're re reading the comic on your phone, it's the spell. But yeah, so I really love those. Uh, and we've also got uh, several that tie into the larger um, mythology. For example, uh, Legend Lord doesn't have deities. It has one who, if you read all of the comics back to back, um, it looks like their one goddess um, is actually a human from Earth who came there and became a goddess. But her name is Otharis, and she is the goddess of fire and also healing. Um, I guess that makes sense. I mean, you're a goddess. Nobody's going to tell you what to do. Um, but people worship her. And because she's fire and healing, we actually we have several. We've got a cleric dedicated to her and a monk. And um, one of them is the healing aspect. And the other one of the, and the other one is more the fire aspect and the uh, maintaining order aspect. So, so yeah, we've got a lot of new classes and player options specifically tied into how the setting works, which is a lot of fun. I was going to say, like, I uh, I had a look through myself, and of course, the uh, you know, first section I went to was warlocks because I'm I'm mm -hmm. you know warlocks. And you've got uh, you've got two interesting patrons there, so I was very uh, very keen to see those. Some nice um, eldritch pats and stuff. So lots of like even if. Uh, even if you were picking this book up to appropriate stuff for other D&D campaigns, there's a lot of interesting options. And I mean, you've got a huge section of interesting feats as well. Um, yep. So there's some there's some really like good chunky rules uh, and mechanical stuff in there. Um, yeah, that, that we we wanted to give people bang for their buck. Yeah, I think. Well, I think you've uh, I think you've hit that one from uh, I was like, oh yeah, I'll pick I'll pick that on my next character. Yeah. <laughs> I like the I like the whole thing that potentially you know the the god the deity of the of the setting is like you know is actually a human from Earth and using like their their knowledge their power that they that they've brought over with them to to give them that kind of advantage in this 
fantasy yeah. setting. It reminds me a lot of um, uh, what's the anime? Um, Escaflone, uh, because the the main antagonist. Um, uh, spo- no, I'm not going to spoil it because it's, <laughs> it's an ancient anime. But the the main antagonist in that I think is meant to be Isaac Newton, um, who's who creates a massive like prognostication device. So he's so for him alchemy becomes a real thing because he's in a in a in a realm that has different in a place that has different rules of reality that he can make use of so um that's pretty that's pretty cool so i can imagine that those type of things and with what you said with enchanting smart devices and other technologies can really lead to some quite unique story concepts i guess there's also james is it like dot hack where the characters end up in like a fantasy online rpg there's i guess you could appropriate ideas of like online gameplay and how that mostly filters into into the realm as people's I, I guess manifest as their like online computer avatar maybe yeah it's 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 pretty much a whole genre at this point i think it's isekai i think right. um, okay. there I, you go. I died and woke up in an rpg it's usually the um the setup or yeah. inside the video game um yep. and, <laughs> um, and in fact, you have a whole bunch of backgrounds which are really interesting because therefore, um, the backgrounds are for people. It's you rather than, you know, I didn't, I didn't start as a bard in this other place. It's like maybe my background is that I'm a role-playing game aficionado. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, how how did you find uh, how did you find developing those? Like trying to apply game mechanics to kind of real world backgrounds well I, I was lucky that we had a really good writer for that section um so we just we came up with a list of people that we would envision to play our game and then we wrote backgrounds for them so i hope we have everyone covered if not um maybe we can stick you into into a one of the stretch goal supplements if we get them uh, go go back to the kickstarter because you know we want to do stretch goals and we want to write more backgrounds. Um, yeah, so we basically just envisioned the kind of people that we want to play our games and then we wrote backgrounds for them. And then fortunately, Farah, who did that section, um, was really good in matching that up with mechanics. That's cool. Um, so um, what would what would be the appeal for this game overall? Like, why would people want to play it? Um, so, well, I think I think one of the large appeals is indeed uh, the the you're playing you, uh, because um, I used to love that. Like ever since I came into, I, I I'm trying to think of an RPG where I didn't at one point with my friends go, let's start ourselves. What if I was a vampire? Well, I would be, you know, uh, a Tremere or a Toreador or whatever. And I can't even remember a game where I didn't do that at some point. And not that I let then then played games at Steffi the Tremere, but I did, you know, stab myself as a vampire just for fun. So I think that has a very universal appeal and the fact that we uh, are encouraging that and specifically saying we've got rules for that, we've got backgrounds for that and feats for that when we want you to do that. I think that that is, of course, the big draw, but also the setting is really good. We really delved into the comics. We had a lot of material to work with and um, and we created a very rich background. Um, and one thing that we did specifically want to do um, is that goes back to the idea of you can play yourself. And so I envisioned my friends and what they would look like in the game and very early on. So my first 
thing that I wanted to do was create create a role-playing game that was true to the comics. And then the second thing on my list immediately was make it diverse. I wanted to be queer, I wanted to be colorful, I wanted to be diverse, because those are the kinds of people that I write for. So, so we immediately set out to, if you want to play a pansexual, trans woman, black elf, then you can. And I also want nobody in the realm to think that's in any way peculiar. So we specifically set out to go, uh, people come in all colors and in all genders and in all orientations. So whatever yours is, you, you're going to fit in. And that was really important to, to us, to me, to the entire team, that we wanted it to be diverse and welcoming. Um, so those would be the big draws. You can play yourself. Uh, the world is going to be welcoming to you, uh, whatever you look like, whoever you are. And the setting is really very good. It's got a lot of fun things in it. So one of the things that uh, you've got in the book is you've got additional kind of magic spells. And I mentioned earlier evocations and things for the different paths. Um, but there's also uh, Menthruak, um, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, which struck me as really interesting when I was uh, when I was looking at it, and I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about that. So Menthruak in the comics is something that happens. Um, they have a source of all magic in this world, and you cast spells by tapping into that source. Um, but if you do that too much then all sorts of bad things happen to you. And that's actually a big part of the comics is, is a plot where the evil doer persuades somebody else to cast a really big spell for him because he doesn't want to get saddled with the Manthroak. Uh, he's worried he might die or get really badly injured, so he tricks somebody else into doing it for him. Uh, and then I do believe bad things happen to her, yeah. Uh, so we wanted to put that into the role-playing game because it's such a big part of the comics and it's an interesting concept. Like, you can do magic, but if you do too much, you're going to go hurt yourself. So we put that into the magic system originally and we did not... Uh, Travis, uh, Travis wrote that, Tra Travis, who also does Scotland. And we didn't like the first version because the first version stuck very close to the comics and it was basically, if you cast magic, you're gonna you're gonna be in a bad place and that wasn't any fun because that was like so you, so you chose a sorcerer or a bard and then you can't actually cast your spells because you're gonna hurt yourself so it felt like we were hobbling um uh, the classes uh so that wasn't any any fun so travels and i got together for an evening of brainstorming and we talked about it a lot and we kicked back back and forth a lot of ideas and then we want like okay so um, what we want is it's okay if it's bad in character but we want it to be fun out character and we want the players to have agency and choose whether this happens to them rather than just tally spells and then oh you're in trouble and then we came up with a system where you can um, choose to basically put free matter magic effects on your spells and in exchange you um, you take off boxes of Manthrobac, and then after the scene ends, you're going to see how much Manthrobac you have and, and how much trouble you are. And that makes it a lot, lot of fun because you get to choose. You, nobody's forcing you to put metamagic effects on it. You can just cast your spells normally and then you're fine. Um, but if you wanted to you know, quicken a spell or twin a spell or maximize a spell, you can do that and you're gonna pay at the end of the scene. And we like that because one, it creates player agency. You can do everything you could do before, but you can do extra things on top of what a normal sorcerer could. So that's always cool. You choose, that was vitally important. 
And um, it's also basically design decision that allows you to fix current problems by creating future problems. And I'm such a huge fan of that as a game designer. I just, I adore that. I also love it as a, as a storyteller when my players do it. So that came together very well. And Dan Travers wrote it after our brainstorming session and we loved the new version. So that's the one in the book. And I think it works really well. I think people are going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I like I definitely looking at some of those uh, abilities and effects. I was I was thinking there's there's some points where you can you know you might be yes I want to I want to do something really cool and it, I think being able to empower yourselves in that way to do the thing and then as you say have the have the cost there's um there's some really neat role playing opportunities in a mechanic and like when a mechanic gives you like decent or mm, it's just that's a juicy nugget of uh, <laughs> of uh, yeah, exactly. mechanics there. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's run, you fools, I shall hold off the Balrog. And then yeah. I'm going to twin maximize my spells. Okay, sure, you can do that. Anyway, you now fall into a pit. You're unconscious and the Balrog is dragging you to your death. Good luck. But you did hold him off. Being dangerous, I think, that, but that's because obviously uh, playing Warhammer, Warhammer has very dangerous magic, um, So, uh, which, again, offers fun role play opportunities when you know your spell blows up in your face yeah so it's good to see that in um because i guess that's not really a common thing then in traditional dnd because you know you cast your spell that just fires off and you've you've done your spell you've popped it off so um having that within the dnd kind of framework is something new yeah cool um what because um, obviously we've got down here monsters. Are there like what what things within a fantasy setting are quite unique to legend lore? Whether it's like creatures, races, societies. I mean, you've already said said in terms of society. I guess a big feature is obviously the inclusiveness that you've baked into the setting because you know you're wanting that people can be, be their ideal self, and that I guess reflects into the realm. But yeah, with monsters and creatures, there anything that's quite quite new or different. Uh, to this kind of D&D game? No, well, what, what we did want to do is say from the start that people are not monsters. So uh, the the orcs and the minotaurs, they're all going in the people chapter um, and they can be antagonistic because, again, we wanted to stay close to the comics. But if they are antagonistic, they have a good reason to be antagonistic. Like uh, the orcs have this entire background. Uh, basically what happened is that their ancestral land has been uh, subsumed into a different kingdom and they want it back. Um, and half of them are petitioning the other nations to go, please recognize our sovereignty. It would be really awesome if you did that. And the other half of them are just like, yeah, look, I've got a big sword. I'm raising an army. Give me my land back. But the point is that even, even these more aggressive orcs, they kind of have a point. Um, actually, the, the intro adventure that I run in cons uh, goes back into that dispute of orcs wanting to have their sovereignty recognized. And every single player has been like, they're kind of right. We should help them. So so that's good. That was, that's what we want. So we said that uh, there are no monster people. All people are people. Um, some of them are more antagonistic. But if they are, that's because they have a reason to be. So the, the monster companion chapter is just creatures. It's not people, it's creatures. Uh, some of them are more intelligent than others. Like we do have drakes in there and such, and dragons that are smarter than the average creature. But we wanted to be very particular 
about the distinction between creatures and people. And uh, for the for the creatures, yeah, we've got a lot of them. We wrote for uh, seasonal beasts because um, at one point in the comics they were traveling and they mentioned that winter was a month, like all of winter, not the dead of winter, but just all of winter was a month. Uh, so apparently they've got some weird time thing going on. But then we got the idea that it would be fun if they had four mystical beasts, one for each season, uh, that you could encounter. Because if you stay there for four months, you've apparently been there an entire year. So so we've got four beasts for that. We've got an evil mushroom that yells at people and then incapacitates them, <laughs> which which I love. I think it's 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 an evil mushroom, so it's not adorable, but I love it. So we've got a really big creature section. And some of them do, all, even the dragons are slightly different. So we do have dragons, but they're not uh, the five metal or uh, chromatic dragons that we see in traditional D&D. So everything in there has been pulled directly from the comics, except for the four scenes with seasonal beasts. We added those ourselves, but the rest is, everything is pulled from the comics. We, we poured over every single page. So mushrooms, okay, mushrooms, we're putting those in there. <laughs> Um, well, I, I really like that you've put um, humanoid creatures in the human section, because <laughs> yeah. that's always been a big, like, a, a big negative for me with D&D, because you pull out the monster manual, and you're like, most of these creatures aren't monsters. They're just really angry because stuff's been done to them. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I always feel so bad when an adventure is like you go into a cave and you fight goblins. I'm like, these people live here. This is their home. <laughs> How would you feel if adventurers invaded your home, killed your family, stole your stuff, and then went on to tell their friends that they defeated monsters? Yeah. I would probably pick up arms as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's not to say that we, we that, you know, spe specifically the goblins are pretty nasty. But all of it goes back to it has a reason, and it usually started with we need help, and then just crickets. Yep. Or hey, you look weird. You look monstrous. Guess yep. what? And yeah, that that's always really kind of been a, a sore point for me because I'm like they they actually aren't. I mean, they're they're angry. <laughs> they're they have a reason to be angry. Because you you are making them angry. Stop it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that actually goes back to some of the, the, the historically problematic things that we've seen with D&D, where, you know, these monster races, if you if you take a good look, it's like, yeah, these are not monster races. These are colonialist stereotypes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, uh... I don't like those, one. <laughs> and two, I think that, you know, I think that, uh, indigenous people and black people and people of color have a pretty good reason to be pissed um so so yeah yeah in my game i'm usually like these goblins live here just don't antagonize them this is their home um and i wanted to you can if you if you want to do a, a monster mash with legend lore you can nobody's saying how you have to run your game but if you wanted to dive more deeply into Maybe these orc have, orcs have legitimate gripe, or maybe these goblins have legitimate gripe, then that is absolutely something you can play with, yeah. Yay, monster unions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's good to hear that, because, I mean, I, I think the closest I've got to 
is is it's always interesting deconstructing like classic dungeons d well when it's been based off a d20 game for example is deconstructing it so you can run it so it's not just i'm going to go through this dungeon and you know crack heads on everything you encounter so i've done that for iron kingdoms where they walked in on a room of goblins and they were like no you've just interrupted them having dinner in this old barrow like mm-hmm. i think they're actually scared of the undead that you're here to deal with not not actually attack you and so they had a nice conversation with the goblins like where are the undead the down there can you leave us to it yeah bye mm-hmm. so it's nice that you've kind of got that feel in legend lore from the start yeah exactly um, with how to do that mm-hmm. um that's really good so i mean i guess that has an influence then on on how you've because i'm i guess how you've written the 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 gm advice for this game because i i imagine i don't know i'm i james you can mostly fill in this uh for me and crystal and is that when you get a game that's based on D, whichever version and it talks about geo advice and so forth they're mostly approaching it at like you know talking about how you design dungeons and populate it it must be very different with legend or when you're not thinking like oh i'm going to put orcs here who are just like wandering monsters like orcs aren't wandering monsters in this they're they're people who are there for a reason you know you would imagine so um, I guess that that makes writing the GMs actually a, a different beast to other D and D games. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, like my my D and D game um, from a personal experience is a homebrew because I don't do dungeon crawls. Right. Um, I I started with uh, gaming with Vampire the Masquerade, and I have a very tough time wrapping my head around a role playing game based entirely on combat. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so. Um, uh, yeah, so the fact that there is now a setting um, that uh, encourages actual like role playing and character development, and that's built into the system using D and D is a fantastic thing, and I've, I'm really excited for it. Yeah, and I I come from a, a similar place in that my my uh, my regular gaming group also they're not particularly interested in smashing monsters. Uh, most of my sessions ended up with them crying in the kitchen with various NPCs they encountered after delving into their emotional uh, backgrounds and things and trying to resolve interpersonal disputes. So yeah, <laughs> yeah um, mine too. My my Pathfinder campaign has they have. They have bad goblins somewhere they have to defeat, and my uh, my characters basically made an alliance with the goblins and between the humans, and now they're pursuing peace. So I think it's great. But if if anybody does like to just fireball things, we also have those. We have options for that. <laughs> we have evil undead, um, and they are just straight up evil. We because we said they're dead. I mean, that's kind of you're not a people anymore. You're an animated dead person. I'm sorry to all the vampire fans. But they're dead. They're evil. So you can fight those if you wanted to fight anything. That's good. And um, then beyond the lands of the dead, so they've got an entire kingdom. They do pop up in other places because they're really bent on conquering the world and making everybody dead. Um, We've also got demons who are very nasty and who are also bent on, well, they want to experience reality, but also subjugated because they're demons. So those are bad if you want to punch anything. And then the dead people have got um, a land of their own. And uh, so you've got like the civilized lands of, you know, the orcs and uh, the elves and the dwarves and 
and then you've got the deadlands and then beyond the deadlands is a very small pocket because at one point we said that occasionally people and fall through from earth to the realm but sometimes also very large groups uh like i think we've got the 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 missing roman legion in there somewhere uh, but at one point a a, a thule expedition from the third reich fell through and they're on the other side of the undead the only good thing the undead ever did is keeping uh, is keeping the nazis away from the civilized people but if you really wanted to just go and fireball something in the face, we've got you covered. You can go there and you can do that. So that's that's awesome. Um, I, I do have a question for introducing this because a lot of times people will get these settings and these manuals and stuff and they'll be a little bit different than what they're normally used to for D&D and then have nowhere to go with that. So like I know Pugmire had some some trouble with getting people to get into the gameplay. So what would be some of your suggestions or like examples of what an introductory gameplay for Legend Lore would be? Oh, we're actually, as part of the Kickstarter, we're running a lot of live plays. I think I think I'm doing two. I think Travis is, Travis is doing one. We've got a surprise one on the Onyx Path Twitch. So we've got four, so people can watch those. Um, nice. if they want, but also Ashley Warren uh, from the Uncaged Anthologies wrote the intro adventure that comes with the book. It's a starting adventure uh, with five pre-generated characters of uh, both of level one and of level three, so you can choose because, let's be honest, a lot of the good stuff happens at level three. Uh, but she, she wrote the intro adventure and that is literally, it starts with you venture into the realm, you have to find your way back. So that is that is the place to start if you're a new player. Um, and rules-wise, it is, if you know 5th edition, you can play Legend Lore. So that's good. And then the the, uh, the starting adventure has you covered with uh, with kicking it off. And we've got a lot of live plays going at the moment. So, And actually, one thing um, that is is interesting that um, that you could use Legend Lore for, because uh, we've been focus focusing a lot on you travel from Earth to the realm. But in theory, the realm sits on a nexus. It connects to a lot of planes, and it does that in a comic. They've got incursions from demons and undead and crossover with other comics, which created a problem for us because we had the rights to a role-playing game um, with Legend Lore, but not the crossover comics. So we couldn't do anything with that. But in theory, you can absolutely go, like my Ravenloft campaign also sits on a nexus with Legend Lore, so, and and my friend's uh, Dragonlance campaign and my other friend's uh, Forgotten Realms campaign, and then you could all get together in the realm and play those characters if you wanted to. Cool. Um, I, I had an idea of, like, antagonists as well, like, because um, you said about, like, you had this, like, um, the Third Reich kind of group that is kept at bay by the undead, which is great. So well that, done, undead. Not... Yeah, I guess that brings up an interesting point. Like, potentially the most interesting antagonists then within legend lore are, let's just say, morally, within our world, could be morally dubious or mor you know, morally corrupted people who perform, who do horrible things in our world, who by some means get into the realm and therefore now empowered by whatever mystical um fantasy powers etc etc that they have yeah. access to there that presents some really interesting 
characters mm-hmm. to to come up against like yeah okay you've got the angry orcs who've got who are dealing with a, a, a socio-political problem with some kingdom you've got undead who are undead and there's within the setting there's a reason why the undead want to turn the entire world into a kingdom of 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 the literal living dead but to have someone that's come from the realm and they they were evil before they got to the realm and the realm just allows them to to magnify that is yeah. an interesting um interesting plot arc to go down um especially for the characters if they potentially know that person or at least know or know of them yeah definitely so uh, let me preface this by saying that you need to have a session zero with your of course with your yeah. players because uh, it's also very valid to go i've dealt enough with nazis in the real world i do not want nazis in my game even if i can fireball them that's fine just leave that's actually why we specifically put them way on the other side of the undead so that they can't accidentally come out you can go there if you wanted to, but if you don't want to deal with them, which is very, very valid, nobody wants to deal with them, just leave them be. It's fine. The undead will just eat them. It's it's all good. Um, but yeah, you could absolutely take villains from the real world, and we've got a couple, and port them over. Uh, because one thing that Crossing does is it gives you a legend that's covered in the Crossing chapter. Um, and a legend is basically an outsized destiny that you get the moment you cross. Uh, that's the reason that this one woman became a goddess. That was her legend was to become a goddess. And uh, and you you get uh, points uh, if you pursue that legend and uh, bonuses and stuff. Uh, but also, presumably, the, the GM should cater the story so that you can reach your legend and you'll be good at certain things. But there's no saying that a legend has to be good if you were a truly vile person you might have a vile legend when you cross over. So yeah, those people could really become outsides. So if every if everyone in the group is up for fireballing evil people, then that is absolutely something you can do. That's a valid stress relief. Right. I think we're nearing the end of the hour here. Are there any other last points, James and Crystal, that you want to bring up, um, having looked through the the preview pdf which we have to say like if you're listening to this now and you haven't backed the kickstarter you can get the full full uh manuscript as in the, it's, there's nothing flashy about it it's just text uh on drive through rpg that's very um, good text yeah it's very good text it just doesn't <laughs> have like yeah it doesn't have art it doesn't have um it's, you know, the, it's, yeah. it's not in layout yeah just just how how we deal with things <laughs> it's not exactly layout. this is what um, it looks like before we make it fancy which i think is a great oh. thing that you had it out that early before uh, like a few days essentially before the kickstarter it's mm-hmm. really useful to really build up uh, momentum but yeah james and chris have you got any final points you want to cover or um or other things you spotted or questions um no i'm actually i I read the comics as well, and I am very excited to to have it the RPG finally go to Kickstarter, and um, yeah, so <laughs> uh, yeah, and you know, I uh, I haven't read the comics. Um, doing my research, I realized they came out the same year as I was born, so there's they're like they they'd be a bit of a blast from the past. <laughs> but I'm interested to uh, maybe do some up, um, but yeah, it seems like a seems like a real interesting book. I've had a flick through it and. Uh, it's given me given me ideas, which is great for me and very worrying for my gaming group. I would say. 
so hold on, with, with regard to crossover, because this, this is a D&D fifth ed license, does that mean you can yep. feasibly cross over with Ugmire then, can't you? Yep. Yes. I plan on using yep. it in my, my campaign. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that's okay, Crystal. That's the only thing you're going to get me to play is, is like, I need to play Monarchies of America because I want to play some like cat nonsense based oh, thing. Oh, my goodness. I have, the the best, I have the yeah. best module for that. <laughs> yeah, we could do a one shot of that. Anyway, carrying on. Um, Right, with that then, to, to finish off, Um, so if you're listening to this, the Kickstarter will have been running for at this point potentially i think three four days because this is coming mm-hmm. out on friday and the kickstarter will have started on the 2nd of june so obviously you can head over to kickstarter there will be uh, links in the show notes um and obviously there is a link uh, in the show notes to the onyx path page uh for legend lore itself um if you're listening to this, there is likely a bunch of stretch goals that will will not, some will, will have been crashed through, some will not be crashed through at this point. Um, what kind of things, Steffi, are we expecting from kind of stretch goals at this point? Like w- what people will see when they go to the page on the initial point. So there's the core, there's the core book, there's legend mm-hmm. lore. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, what are the what, what's your wish list of things you really, really want to get to? Okay, so well, the thing is, I'm not allowed to to, to go. I'm not allowed to divulge anything that isn't released yet, so that's a bit tricky, yeah. uh, actually. But uh, in general, we would have more uh, more content. Um, as in, I would really uh, love to do more sample legends uh, because you write your own legend. Uh, for your character so we didn't it's not like a class and we've got a limited amount of them we've got five or six examples in the book um, but the idea is that you write your own at some point in the game so um, but I would love to write more examples of that um, and I will also like to add a couple of more races for people um, um, because uh, as of the realm is uh, it, it's def- um, there's a mountain range in the midst of it and they've got yeah, let me see. We are in East Azov, and then beyond the mountains is West Azov. And we never go there in the comics, but we do have a few people visiting from there. Um, and I would love to put those in in a stretch goal. Uh, those are my personal favorites. Um, I can't say if they're actually in a stretch goal, but I would love to see them in there. Wish list, obviously, as a as a as any writer. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, that this will have funded by the time you're listening to this i'm sure it will um and you know stretch goals will be will be going through the list of them i'm sure there's like you know there's also things like uh i don't know will there be a, a legend lore dm screen or things like that there'll, i'm sure there'll be other things because i mean we're talking richard thomas here, he's mostly got ideas for the other nice add-ons to help that are, you know bits of utility for the game um so there's a sam- sample starting adventure. Does that mean there's going to be? Will the sample starting adventure? Can, can you run that without the book, or I guess you need the book to run it? Because I'm just wondering about how introductory it is. The uh, you mean you mean Ashley's adventure, the one that's currently in yeah. the book? Yeah. Oh no, I, I was thinking more of like a, a jumpstart adventure. Oh, a jumpstart. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the, the Honest Path jumpstarts traditionally have been. Um, mini rule booklets along with an adventure. So yeah. traditionally, you can run them straight from 
the jumpstart. Uh, it'll probably be a bit different from Legend Law because our rule set is basically the player handbook. And, yes. Um, um, but yes, uh, the idea is that if we do a jumpstart, that you can just uh, use that. Yeah. Um, right. I think that is that is it. Is there anything? I guess this, I guess the, this is the point where is there anything else you want to plug the hell out of of other things that are coming out or soon to come out or other things you're working on that isn't Onyx Path Publishing because we've spent an entire hour talking about an Onyx Path Publishing project that you're leading. We have. Um, actually, there is now that since this is a this is a D and D fifth edition podcast. Uh, now, um, uh, Kat Evans and I have created a book for the DMs Guild called Masks of Theros, which it takes place in the new world of Theros, the, the new setting that they have. You can get it on the DMs Guild, and it's an epic adventure that uh, starts at character level one and takes you all the way through character level uh, level eleven. And we promise it is full of fate and adventure and death and tragedy, um, and really proper good. So. Um, if you like my work, go pick a copy of that up. Ooh, I'm sure, James, you will emotionally delve into that one. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really uh really chunky. I I have um Thero, the magic is Theros the magic setting is that? It is the the they by the time this is it has been released. Uh, for they are releasing a mythic odysseys uh, mythical odysseys of Theros for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And all signs point to that also being a new DM skilled setting, which means we can write adventures for it. And we did. We've got a lot of uh, great writers on that and great art. So I highly recommend that people buy a copy. And also, if it does well, we're going to write a sequel for character levels uh, 11 to 20. So that would be nice. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and then, Steffi, I will include note uh, in the show notes. You've also got a Patreon. Is that right? For your yep, I do. Little... Yep. Um, so what type of things can people get through your Patreon? Uh, well, that, I run that with uh, List list Tripartical. And we do, uh, last year, we did 12 mini games in 12 months. We liked that a lot, but we also decided we didn't want to do that again. That's a lot of work. Uh, so now we are uh, still releasing mini games, it's like more erratic, and we're working on a big uh, OSR game uh, this, hopefully this year. Uh, but yeah, people can get games uh, from our Patreon, and they are really, really good. Right, and is there anything else that we've missed? That I'm, working to... on, I'm working on a lot of different things, um, but I'm, I, I never met a project that I could say no to. So the list of things I'm working on is pretty long. I've got a lot of things going on with Onyx Path, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the people in charge will at some point be on this show to cover that. So I'm going to I'm gonna leave it at that. Yeah, I think that's everything. Cool. Excellent. Thank you for that. That's been, I think that's great. I mean, James and Crystal, I think you've, you've got, I think you sound highly satisfied with it, given that you're, you're D&D 5e people unlike me unfortunately um but um but still it sounds like a really interesting and different setting for dnd that other settings don't you know it's got stuff that other settings don't do um so with that i will thank steffi again for coming on and chatting about uh legend law and uh all of her work 
James and Crystal, thank you for show notes and leading uh, the show in terms of questions and being uh, informative on D&D and knowing what you're talking about, unlike me. Um, and for people that listen to this show and they want to get more stuff, of course, you can get in contact with us. Uh, radio at gmail.com you can find us on twitter at darkerdaysradio you can find us on facebook darkerdaysradio you can find us on instagram at darkerdaysradio you can go over to our wordpress that has sometimes written material reviews of things that don't suit a podcast uh, media environment uh, and obviously if you go over to Gehenna Gaming's Twitch stream you can watch us play Wrath and Glory the 40k RPG in its revised edition uh, from Google 7 and then also uh, James they can find books uh, you know D&D content from you on the DMs guild that involve jellyfish people um, so I have a race of uh kind of functionally immortal jellyfish people that keep self-reincarnating. Um, I have a familiar-focused uh, wizard tradition where you get a whole bunch of familiars uh, and you have all of the pets. It's amazing. Uh, and then I have two little splats with uh, 20 minor magical items for adding weird extra stuff without absolutely breaking your power balance. And Crystal, you... Um that if people want to find stuff that isn't related to honest path pushing, they can grab stuff which is the pip system of course which has had recent releases that include work from certain people that are on dark days radio <gasps> yes um so i uh, you can find links for all of that stuff on the geekypanda.com which is my website um and uh you can also find a whole all my um community content stuff as well as all my official published stuff um and links for all of this the uh blogs and stuff like that that i contribute to of course we're working on secret frequency files number two to go on um the uh the storytellers vault for chronicles of darkness which include a whole load of new story hooks so uh including other types of vampires and evil forests and other Think something spooky in England, which seems to be a constant in these books. Write something spooky about the UK or Europe. Um, so we're working on that right now. And, oh, I'm doing uh, Midwest Gothic, so. <laughs> <laughs> right, but with that, uh, I'll thank everyone again for taking their time out to uh, do this episode, and thank you again, Steffi. And hopefully, we will get you on the show again to talk about something else. Which is fun. Might be vampires, might be something Chronicles of Darkness. I don't know. Um, but until then, thank you for listening to Darker Days Radio and good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.